This episode is dedicated to the memory of Kenny Leon Pack, aka the machine Ken Steele, who passed away on June 11th, 2021, at the much too young age of 53. He was my trainer and mentor in wrestling. Most importantly though, he was my friend and a brother. We'll love you and miss you forever, big man. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I'm Dean Hill. See you at ringside. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I am the dangerous one, dangerous Dan Colley, and with me is the professor, Jimmy Badstreet. Jimmy, say hello to everyone. Man, you're back, Dan. It's awesome. I don't have to lead the show, dude. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't have the craps this time. And of course, we're going to be joined this episode, the entire episode, because last time he did a pretty good job. And that is the plastic chic one, Jared Street. Jared. Dan, how we doing, buddy? Uh, much better. Thank you. Good. Thank good, you. Good, yeah. Good. Yeah. I want to survive this one, I think. So, uh, uh, I do want to touch on one quick thing before we get started in today's episode. I want to go back to last week's or two weeks ago, last episode and tell you guys that you both were very close to my faction choices. Nice. <laughs> well, we, I was going to try to make room for that today. So <laughs> if you, wanna... you guys were pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, you know, of course, horsemen, horsemen yeah. have to be there. Okay. Um, preferably not one with Mongo included in it, but sure. nothing against Mongo, but there were Mongo's other, not the worst though. No, no. But there were just other <laughs> better incarnations. Uh, uh right. the bullet club as a whole entity, maybe not sure. current incarnation necessarily. Sure. Um, uh-huh. you have to bring the NWO in that. And yeah. again, I'm going to have to say more of a classic incarnation of that. We don't mm-hmm. need the other 72 members that may or may not have been in it for mm-hmm. a match or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, the last one, as much as I would like to say DX, uh, I'm actually going to go with the job squad because I loved those guys. It was yeah. such a, a wacky, goofy, uh, uh-huh. uh grouping, uh, of people that, well, were really, really talented, but, uh, you know, for one reason or the other, were not used to their full potential. So therefore they said, ah, to hell with the 10, we'll just be the job squad. Loved it. All right, Jared, I owe you five bucks. It wasn't the straight edge society. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang, hey, Hey, <laughs> and individuals loved them together the way they did it. And uh, not so much. 
Yeah, I, I was I was thinking with acolytes in there. So, yeah, I, the ministry was cool. Yeah, I liked it, but uh, Naked Minion just kind of didn't put me off on that whole thing. So, yeah. All right, now we're going to get into tonight's episode. We're going to be talking about professional wrestling managers. Now, we didn't really discuss this off air because it just came to me. But are we going to include quote unquote valets in that of discussion, course. gentlemen? Okay, so we're going to be talking about uh, managers, valets. We're going to be talking about the sizzle on the steak, basically, the seasoning that helps um, professional wrestlers, why some of them are are used, um, who needs them, who doesn't really need them, where they went, and who our favorites are. So our in-house manager is one professor, Jimmy Street. Jimmy, you used to be in manager in the independent circuits in and around Tennessee, correct? Yeah. Well, Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, I started out working for a guy in Virginia, North Carolina, but I ended up mainly in Tennessee and and actually ended up working more shows kind of on my own than from my mentor, Kenny still rest in peace to him, by the way. But I mainly, mainly, mainly would consider myself a Tennessee manager. Yeah. Okay. And one of the people that you managed during your illustrious run has joined us tonight on this particular episode. Jimmy, you may know him as Dyron, I believe, but we know him as Flynn Hendricks. Flynn, say hello to everyone. Hello. And first off, let me say, I'm just impressed that you pronounced it correctly the first time. Thank you for not butchering the name Dyron. Thank you. Good, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're welcome uh, you know what what okay so how before we get into how and what and why the name Dyron? Uh, it's actually my middle name it's a family name and i had never heard anybody else using it on the wrestling scene before or just in life in general yep, so i figured yep. it would be a way to make myself stand out but the only caveat like it, it made sense because you know in the real world i'm surrounded by 10 other people at least that have my first name so i figured i'll just go by something nobody else has yeah but nobody could pronounce it <laughs> nobody could pronounce it yeah i always considered if i had ever done anything in in the professional wrestling ranks i would have went by my middle name which is wade which have to be my grandfather's first name and i would have went by castle because I'm a huge fan of the Punisher. So I would have been Wade Castle is how I would have chosen my working name. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I mean, I can only think of one other Wade anyway, and all he did was deliver bad news. So I think you'd be in good company. I do like that. I I like that elbow though. That, that bull hammer was good. That was a good, yeah. 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 Simple, simple finish. Anyone should, (laughs) a good finisher should be a finisher that you can deliver on anybody at the drop of a hat. That's it. Bingo. That's it. There you go. So, all right, Jimmy, why don't you tell all the humanoids out there? And that was an apropos uh, uh, term, I suppose, for this episode. I love it. But I love it. Why don't you tell all the humanoids exactly what some of the history is between you and Flynn and uh, talk about how you managed and you worked with him and how that all came together? So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take up too much time putting myself over. You know, I, oh, I yeah, always that, got to that, get that'll be, oh, new. that'll be different. Yeah, it's I, I got to get my shit in, though. So <laughs> that being said, 
I was working a chic gimmick. Again, that's funny that my brother is the plastic chic. That was totally separate deal. Dan came up with that. Exactly. Nothing, you know, timey. So I was working as a character, Prince Omar Alcazan, which was created by myself. And like I said, the guy who trained me somewhat and my mentor in the business, Ken Steele, who actually passed away a year ago. You'll have heard my tribute to him at the beginning of this episode. So that being said, I was living in Nashville trying to do my music dream and I was working at a record store and I met a guy named Aaron Camaro. He'll be a guest on our show one of these days. And he said, you ought to come out. I love that gimmick idea. You ought to come out to this show that I do every Thursday nights, Dyron. I mean, Flynn. Thursday nights. Yeah, Thursday I'm going to answer to either one. I know. I'll call you Dysky probably. But anyway, we went out to NWA main event ran by Mike Porter, who was a whole other ball of wax that we'll talk about now. Oh, boy. Yeah. But anyway, so I was immediately put with a wrestler named Seven. He's Jermaine. Tried to have him on the show probably like 20 times already. We'll get him on here eventually. I know, right, Darn. Anyway, uh, you got to know Seven to uh, – it's like I'm not mad at him about it. It's just, yeah, you're right. Good luck. So anyway, yeah, ditto. We're sitting there, and so the, the idea that Aaron came up with was to have me sit – beside the most passionate fan that Nashville has ever known. And I mean this by that. Plus he went to every show in the Nashville area. He was really area. Yeah. And surrounding area named chicken hat. You'll see him on a lot of the TNA asylum shows. You'll see him at any WWE show during that era. Honestly, he was, he was very wealthy because, but he was also mentally challenged because he got hit by a bus. And twice. And, sued the the city yeah lived through it and sued the city and then basically just traveled watching wrestling the rest of his life and so he sits me beside this very very passionate very talkative fan and i'm like oh my gosh i am a white guy playing a saudi arabian character (laughs) beside the most passionate but mentally challenged fan in all of nashville and so i remember it this was like you know when you see the the notebook or something and they're running at each other on the beach and they go in arm in arm well it didn't work like that but as dyron worked a match i was like daggone this guy's awesome i need to manage him you know i want to manage seven but at the same time i feel like i could have a lot of fun managing him he's this I don't know. What would you consider yourself like a Tully Blanchard reborn? You didn't need me verbally, but it just added to your heat and your heat was already off the charts. So I look at him and you walk by me and you kind of look to me and we kind of look at each other. And it was like a moment of like, And, uh, it, it, uh, you know, and then I go to the back after the show, I talk to you. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up, I was like, dude, I want to manage you. And you were like, okay. And then we started talking about things we liked. And then you ended up talking to Aaron and we talked to Aaron and Aaron said, okay, we'll try it out. And it we was, had to fight him on it a little bit though, because he, 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 he was dead set. He actually wanted another guy, which, um, uh, God, I love this guy to death. But if you remember Chris Norte, yeah. Palest, palest white guy walking, wearing a pair of black tights. He wanted him <laughs> to do the Saudi gimmick as your brother, right? But th- there's no way that would work because right, right. you know it's like he wanted to, he wanted him with you first, him and Seven, That's and then right. it's like 
Dyron doesn't need you. He can talk. He can talk. He doesn't need that. We had to wear him down to get this to happen. It, it was magic yeah. when it finally happened. It was, you, dude. We, you know, Jimmy, you, you talk about uh, you being a white guy playing a Saudi character. Yeah. And it reminds me, that's all right. I know of a w- white, redheaded French Canadian that is actually of Arabic descent that played a Mexican luchador yeah. wrestler. So, wait, I thought that luchador that died. Far. No, no, he just retired. He takes care of an orphanage now in Tijuana of a bunch of children that may or may not have been sired by anyway. Anyway, yeah, he retired. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, but fortunately I did get to see that particular luchador wrestle before his retirement. So I'm pretty, there, pretty stoked for go. that. There you go. Well, yeah. So long story short, Seth, Seth Rogan, Erico there, we got, uh, <laughs> the, the, I always call him Seth Rogan, Erico. Cause I think he looks like Seth Rogan, but he played generico. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, <Olé. laughs> anyway, so Dyron and I, we work Aaron down and we start working together and we're literally making towns together Yeah, and we even come up with a move and actually the good brothers ripped us off on WWE raw. And I thought about sending it to their Twitter and everything. We had a move called shake and bake. I would trip the guy when they would come to the ropes. It's just a natural heat manager spot. And it would always work out for Dyron because Dyron would do something afterwards. Well, we started it out. They would run into the ropes. I would catch the leg and they would stumble and Dyron would catch them in a DDT. And we called it shake and bake. And it's, it's the old Arn Anderson. My spot. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. S- such a great move. But anyway, we got to do that. And then I want to kind of get past Omar. So basically we go out to Millersville because the other promotion eventually shuts down. And so we go to Millersville working for TJ Weatherby and God rest his soul. What a great man he was to us. And, Super class act. So Dyron ends up winning the title at Saw. Anyway, long story short, they take the character, they take the gimmick off of me because that show was about to go to television. And so they didn't want, obviously, I mean, Dutch Mantel, Burt Prentice, so many people were like, I like you. I think you really do good work, but I don't know about that gimmick. And my mentor, Ken Steele, was like, screw him. I'm doubling down on it. I think it's a great gimmick. You're a Saudi sympathizer. What's well, worse right now? You know, long story short, we go out there to Millersville. Dyron wins the title and they take the gimmick off of me because they're going to TV. They don't want to offend anybody. And so Dyron and I kind of split off at that point because you leave the promotion. You actually laid down for Wolfie, didn't you? You dropped uh, the time. I did. And I'll put a little bit of backstory behind that too. Um, the person who was booking said promotion, I, I won't give him name cred. And I think you may still be cool with him. So I don't want to cause any tension there, but we just never clicked. Like when I got in the business, because the story was you were either one of his boys or he just right. didn't like you. And he right. just didn't like me for whatever reason. Um, you know, I was supposed to have the rematch with Wolfie before he went into the uh, NWA world's title picture with uh, Cahagas. I right. think that's who it was at the time, yep. but it never yep. happened because the next show I'm getting beat by a guy who was a mid card jobber with a vertical suplex. Mm-hmm. I'm getting, you know, getting beat in three minutes with a vertical suplex, but I'm here as a team player. Cool. Okay. I'm just, it's heat, whatever. I'll get my heat back. Yeah. Then I'm number one contender for the NWA world's junior heavyweight title over in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is 30 minutes away for a fellow NWA promotion. It's the sister promotion of this one. And I'm right. also the Tennessee junior heavyweight champion, but 
I'm not going to be, you know, I get that you want to have multiple people facing the same champion when he comes through town, but I'm not even going to be considered for that. I'm going to be in a battle royal. And I ended up leaving the promotion because it was a matter of, well, now we don't want you with Jimmy anymore. We want him with so-and-so. We want him with so-and-so. And yeah. like they, they kind of begrudgingly, on our part, broke the package apart. And then right. it's like, well, we need you for this show. Oh, wait, we don't need you. Hey, we need you. Okay, never mind. We don't need you. Hey, where yeah. are you? You know, and that, yeah. that was all in the span of an hour. So I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. You know, yeah. but that's wrestling. Yeah, you know, the thing I loved about it was is how they took the gimmick off of me. They were trying to just say, go out there as Jimmy. And I'm like, no, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do something. So what yeah. I did to try to amplify the heat, I go out there and we're in a one of our epic promos of, of No Doubt. Mm -hmm. I tried to find this on video and I can't. But we're going out there and I we go out there and I'm like talking like I did as as Omar and Omar I I, I had a few different accents for Omar none of them really were very good but <laughs> it started out as me doing like I am Omar and then it was like I tell you this brothers you know trying to be like the chic anyway it didn't work out so I was doing the gimmick and I was doing the accent I said I tell you these Americans and then uh, there is so many things that I hate about you I hate you I hate you and i took off my thing and it was just me a bald white guy and i said but i mostly hate all of you the crowd because here's the thing i wanted you all to hate me as bad as i hated you and the only thing you racist idiots will understand is hatred for another religion hatred for another skin color so i dressed up like a saudi arabian just so you would hate me even more and you know, I think Dyron was the only one that actually said, hey, that's good. Nobody else really wanted to approve that, but I just went with it. And it you was know, heat. And it was it there was a twinge of reality in it too. Right. It was. Yeah. It was totally. And so we extended that. So then they separate me from Dyron and I lose my mojo totally, can like completely. They put me with Plunkett and Haskins. Haskins, yep. And I love those guys. I think the world of them, I will call them brothers till the day that I die. But I did not have mojo with them. I wanted to so bad, but I had some personal things I was dealing with as far as like making bad decisions in my life. But at the same time, I was honestly, you know, like if I couldn't manage Dyron, if I couldn't manage Seven, who was always busy down in Georgia working for Bill Barron's and NWA Wildside. I wanted to manage Plunky and Haskins. It was like the Midnight Express. It was mm -hmm. like, honestly, the modern FTR would have a hard time wrestling these guys. And I just couldn't get my mojo with them. I've watched it back recently. All my promos sucked. Like they were just, I just wrote them and read them. Basically, I didn't have anything coming from the heart. And so I worked through that. And I work with them and I'm making some towns with them, not as many as I'd like and not as many as they'd like. But anyway, I end up dropping out of wrestling completely. And it was Did maybe you like smile HBK stuff. I lost it. Yeah. It was upside <laughs> down at least. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a great one. Good one. I, I, I ended up six months off probably. And then Dyron's like, hey, man, USWO is coming back. And so USWO was a promotion that was famous basically as one of the best 
promotions in the town. It was a true Nashville promotion ran by Tony Falk and his son, LT Falk. And they, Dyron's been a champion there. Wolfie's been a champion. Raven's been a champion. I mean, there's so many guys that have been champions there. Legit people that would come through. Final and champion, Tony, right here. Yeah, you're the final champ. That's it. And nice. so Dyron calls, Dyron calls me. He's like, hey, man, we're going to be working at USWO. And can you fill me in on this now? Go ahead. Yeah, little- so... I'll be honest, I was very surprised they even called me back because um, I wanted to do more with the company than be the be the enhancement talent for guys that didn't even have real gear or just had like baggy pants and kick pads right. and had no business being there, but that's neither here nor there. So I left. I went to other places, and I was very surprised when they called me back and they said, hey, we want to bring you and – and Omar back. And this was like three months after you had dropped Omar and you were doing Jimmy, but like, yeah, we want to have you guys back as a package. And I'm like, okay. So we did. And you know, oddly enough, first match back, it was supposed to be you managing me and Chris Norte again, but he was unable to make it. So they had Mm -hmm. us as a tag team. I remember you wearing one of my singlets out there. Yeah, dude, totally. That was and you so were bad. you were back as Omar, like these like these people hadn't just seen you previously as Jimmy Street. Right. It's like right. Hey, what do yeah. we do now? You know, hey man, it's pro wrestling. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. You right. know that. I don't know. Like, ah, ah. I mean, at least guys, you didn't give birth to a hand. It, that's a great point. This is true. <laughs> Thank God I did not give birth to a hand. So maybe sired a hand, but definitely not giving birth to it. <laughs> so so anyway. They put me back in Omar. Then we end up dropping the Omar gimmick, and and it's about to go to Saw. And so we put together the dynasty, which was Zach Harris, David Knox, and Dyron. And we were a killer faction, man. We had, you know, Zach's a big Triple H guy. Dyron was the worker of the bunch. So you had Zach, who was basically the the looks. Dyron was the worker. Knox was the bruiser, the heater. And essentially, I was surrounded by a mouthpiece and two heaters because I was the smallest one in the group. Yeah. Like, it was was a very dangerous alliance situation. Definitely. That would have been, you know, that sounds like a great setup because I'm assuming this was all heel work. Yes. And in your position, Flint, you could have just been the most weaselly, snivelly little crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, type of heel because you could always hid behind your heaters. You could have hid behind your mouthpiece. You could have been yeah. that little guy in the back, just kind of poking and prodding and, and really heating, you know, yep. really generating some good heat. That would have been a great spot. And that was, that was my goal too, because like I said, I'm, I'm maybe five, six, five, seven. Then I put my boots on, I'm five, eight, five, ten, depending on which pair. But my goal was to basically like be like the Miz or the Ric Flair where people think they can beat me, but right. nobody does. Like he always squeaks by or he's got so-and-so with him. But I mean, like yeah. right when we got our legs, that's what led to me becoming, you know, USWO champion. They, this, I think the night after or the night before, uh, the show before they ended up turning Knox babyface, So we lost him out of the group. Right, And we had all the gold at that point, too, because he had the secondary title. I right. had the heavyweight title. And then the next show, it's like you just, well, here's your next opponent. And we never even got to have that match. Yeah. And so to kind of wrap this up, I, I ended up going 
to USWO. I found my mojo again. Dyron, I can I can I'm gonna put some of these promos online on the Gimme Back My Pro Wrestling page. And I think people enjoy them because we were all cutting killer promos. Oh yeah. There's like three or four of them that we we did just as a crew and it was just great stuff, off the cuff, killer stuff. And I had a lot of fun and I found my mojo. I ended up getting to go manage people like Rob Conway, Tracy Smothers, got to manage, I mean, excellent people in the NWA that Bruce Tharp NWA and had some fun there. So, and you were with me, uh, you know, you were with me too for my first world title defense in Lewisburg, Kentucky, a town that had never had wrestling before. And I think like the mayor came out to do the ring announcing for us. Like we we had a lot of fun together. We really did. And then, you know, obviously things happen, lives go on and moved away from Nashville. But we got one more run in us, kid. We do. Yep. It's somewhere. I'm, still, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm back to traveling. So I'm waiting yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll figure that out off the yeah. air. But <laughs> anyway, so so that's kind of our story. But I always credit Dyron with this. I'd lost my mojo as a manager and I found it again with Dyron. And I, I you know, for that, I'll always be grateful, dude. Really. Absolutely. I mean, I mean I've loved everybody just about that I've gotten to manage with. And, like, everybody's been special in their own unique way. But, like, the stuff that we did, man, was so – I don't really know the best way to say it because I feel like special, like, undersells it. But we had such a unique dynamic anyway because um, a a previous guest on my podcast, the I Know You Hear Me podcast, was Lance Adams. And he lost his mind when he's like, wait a minute. You're telling me your manager was taller than you when in most situations, you know, the wrestler is taller than the manager. And it's like, wait. So it's like he had this little pit bull on a leash and he could just let you go. And like, that's just a completely different dynamic. So we were something unique just from the visual perspective when we walked through the curtain. But then having that connection there, that just being simpatico, we wouldn't say something. We would just look at each other and. You know, yeah. it was there. It was it was it was special. That's the only way I can think to say it. It was, man. And I do miss it and I think about it a lot. I'll go yep. through the YouTube rabbit hole and watch a lot of this stuff. And yeah, we we had some fun, man. But you know Oh yeah. It was such during such a weird time in my life personally, but kind of helped me stay sane through some of it, you know. Right. So Oh, yeah. that was a weird time for me too. Oof. Yeah. But anyway, we had a lot of fun. The main important part I'm having you here is because obviously, even though people are gonna be like, Flynn's not a manager, well, I was his manager. Yep. And so I always enjoyed talking about the greatest managers and stuff. And so, you know, I think right now we can wrap up our conversation about us and and not that we couldn't talk forever about that. Oh yeah, we could. Yeah. Sounds good. So now that we have a little bit of backstory between these two knuckleheads, we're going to take a break, talk about some other knuckleheads on the network and friends of the show. (laughs) When we come back, we will talk about other managers who our favorites are as we move towards an ultimate Mount Rushmore of managers here on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. This is Charlie with Give Me Back My Action Movies. And Dan. Join us every two weeks as we dive into the classic action movies of the 80s and 90s. That's right, Charlie. But we also take a look at some of the current films out there that still has those nostalgic feels for us. Exactly. So make sure you find us on all your major podcasting platforms. 
And check us out over on Facebook. We have a group where the conversation's always going 24-7. We're having a good time. I think so. I'll be back. All right. And we're back here on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast about, well, pro wrestling. That's why it's in the name. Uh, this episode is going to be pretty awesome. And, and it's something when, when Jimmy brought this idea up, I was excited for it because I always loved managers when I was a kid watching pro wrestling. And, I'm, and I always knew to myself, I was like, look, yeah, in the backyard, I'll be the anvil in this match or whatever. And that's great. But you know what? If I ever did anything, if I ever do anything, whatever, it would have been a manager because I don't know if you guys could tell or not, but I talk. Uh, so I always thought I'd be good as at that. So when we talked about this episode coming up, I was really excited about it. Jimmy and, and and everyone included here. What are, uh, all right, maybe we're getting to this in a minute, but my question is, and think about this as Jimmy gives us a little bit of backstory here in his history lesson is what is the main role of a manager? Is it mouthpiece? Is it distraction? Is it a visual package that you're trying to put together? So you guys think I mean, about that. Jimmy, go ahead and give us the history lesson on, uh, per wrestling managers. I mean, it's all that, what you just said, you know, the manager, the valet, the agent, the advocate, the second in command, whatever. It, it basically what I was taught and told to be as a manager was you were a, a lightning rod that was to draw the heat to your guy. Anything that the crowd did to me, it should also amplify on my guy. And that was kind of the way that I was taught. Now, obviously for guys that I've managed before who really cannot talk on the microphone, Flynn never had that issue, but I had several guys who really weren't great on the mic. And so that would be my number one goal is to kind of be like their, their advocate, you know? We never really got into the whole, I'll get you shows of bookings. I, I got him a few bookings, but I never really got into the full on Paul Ellering role, you know, like booking flights and hotels and stuff. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, managers are essentially there as a, as a enhancement. Like I said, yeah. the, 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 the seasoning on the steak type of thing. Yeah. Now, Flynn, let me ask you this question real quick as the, as the, the in ring talent, what do you want from your manager or your valet or your, your second, what do you want them to do for you? What's their main role in this entire presentation? I think, uh, well, obviously everything you just laid out at the beginning, uh, uh, that to a T is what a manager, a valet, whoever it may be needs to bring to the table. But on top of that too, they also need to accentuate my strengths and fill in where my weaknesses are so it is that complete package. I don't want to say total package and rip off Lex Luger, but you know it's <laughs> it needs to be an entire presentation because mm -hmm. where I may where I may like let's say I wasn't a good talker, that's where Jimmy would come in and he would cut the promos and then I would just do the work in the ring and then mm -hmm. I would still get the heat, but at the same time too unless there's a story behind it we don't need to outshadow or overshine each other because it needs to be a tandem package deal. And my manager also doesn't need to be on the outside getting more heat than me right. or just stroking his own ego and then vice versa. While he's doing a promo for me and our in our deal, I don't need to be, you know, going behind his back, like just taking all the attention and putting it on myself. 
It needs to be a, a well-working, well-oiled machine that rounds each other out to make everything the perfect presentation. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Sure. Uh, go ahead, Jared. What do you got? I was going to say, what do you think, uh, Flynn? Do you think like managers such as like, I don't know, Jim Cornette or Bobby Heenan, they could, they probably drew that heat though, maybe more oh, yeah. themselves though, but it still worked. Right. Absolutely. But, they, but they're special though. I mean, they're, they're the, uh, the upper echelon. So Absolutely. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough to, but not everybody can pull that off basically. Right. So. And I, and Bobby actually had a very unique perspective on that because I mean, truth be told, a lot of people only know him as the, the commentator for WWF and WCW. They may know him as a manager, you know, like for the, the Heenan family or, you know, back in AWA even, but nobody really pays attention to the fact that he was a trained wrestler before that. And, he was to the level where if one of his guys was pulled off of a show, like when Tully failed a drug test back in the day, and they plugged him in, the crowd did not dwindle because they wanted to see him get that. And it was just something yeah. special about Bobby that not a lot of other people or anybody really has. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. 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 True. True. yeah, because you see, sometimes you see the gimmick of, uh, if you can beat my man, you get me in the ring for five yep. minutes or whatever yep. like that. You, you see that gimmick occasionally. And like you said, Bobby, um, Cornette, those are the first two coming to my mind, but those are the two that you wanted to see get the crap kicked out of them. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yep. the fact that Bobby was a fully trained wrestler was fine because you see re- managers will, will bump, you know, when they, you know, for here or there and stuff like that. And Bobby would take the bumps and no, no, cause he could, it was fine. But like, like you said, it, you know, that was overshadowed though, by all of his other work. He knew right. what his, and it's hard to say because Bobby could do all of it. it, it he could do the, I'm going to draw the heat. I'm going to, now I'm going to make Andre look amazing. Now I'm going to, uh, over here and talk about the brain busters. And now I'm going to do uh, he, so he can morph based on who he was working with to change that presentation. He could have the whole group of five, six, seven, eight guys. And each presentation was different because of who he was working with. He was amazing in that role. Whereas you've got certain people like, um, James Mitchell, for example, he is always going to have the dark brooding monster, evil, demonic bad guy things. That's what he, that's his thing. He's mm-hmm. going to have the sinister minister gimmick going on, you yeah. know? So it's, it, it, you know, and they're just, it's different. It's not better or worse. It's different. I don't see Mitchell being the kind of guy that, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to get him in the ring and beat him up or whatever, you know, like Bobby would. So, yeah. um, I guess my point is that like, you know, some managers don't just are, are not just one note. That's the thing totally. I want to make sure people understand too is managers aren't just, oh, this guy can't talk. Let's give him a talker. That's important to me because, like I said, I always think that managers and valets and things really, really enhance certain workers. Yeah. But again, so, not all workers need them. Right. Okay. So like just to kind of dial it back here a little bit, the first managers were in the NWA pioneer era. There were guys named Frank Smith. And the one that 
kind of was the most popular was Billy Sandow. He was Ed Strangler Lewis's manager. The funny thing is, is they took the Damien Sandow last name from this guy. Billy I was going to ask me if he was related. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but yeah, that's a good idea, though. <laughs> Starting in the 1920s and even earlier. So obviously that's the early pioneer era. You know, Gorgeous George had his valets. They were different for each town. But then you get into the territories, and that's what I call the manager explosion. You had yeah. Arnold Skoland, Bobby Heenan, Sheik Adnan, Jim Cornette, Captain Lou Albano, Paul Ellering, Gary Hart, Paul Bearer, Jimmy Hart, Sherry Martell, Skandar Akbar. Oliver Humperdinck, Mr. Fuji, Paul Jones, J.J. Dillon, even the sweet Miss Elizabeth. I mean, I know I missed a few there, but uh, let's, let's not forget uh, downtown Bruno. Yeah, downtown Bruno. Downtown Bruno. That's exactly. Sure, slick. Yeah, slick Percy Pringle. So obviously, managers exploded there, and we know our last show we talked about factions and the managers were kind of the sole proprietor of those factions in a lot of cases when it came to the WWF and even in the other territories. But long story short, you know, the manager really exploded in the 80s and 90s and especially the 80s. You know, talk about those guys some. I mean, we have some killer names there, y'all. Okay, so when you talk about classic 80s wrestling managers, when you talk about, and again, I'm from the more North than you guys are, even though I was in Kentucky, it was Northern Kentucky. But when I think about that, I think about the rock and wrestling era, obviously. And yeah. I can't think of that without thinking of, uh, classy Freddie Blassie. Oh yeah. Uh, of course we're going to have Heenan in there, but captain Lou. Now, yeah. those are the big three that come right to my mind when I think of that generation. And each one was a very different presentation. Captain right. Lou, everyone knew Captain Lou was a former wrestler, big, burly guy, rubber bands on his face. I don't, I still never understood it, that gimmick. The unique, his unique look, <laughs> just it, it yeah. transcended everything. Yeah. I mean, eventually he became a plumber in New York and, and went after turtles and mushrooms and stomped on their heads Ooh. to save the princess. <laughs> but, before that, he was a, a manager. Then you had uh, Heenan and you had Blassie. And to me, both of them are, are similar, whereas they thought they're better than you. Uh, and you know it. And they both had their guys yeah. would get you right. so that they can make money. That was the whole mm -hmm. premise of those two guys. But I can't think of any face managers Except well, maybe Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth? Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like Elizabeth. her, but Elizabeth. But was she she was more of just a a package Valley. thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, that was a great gimmick too. And I'm sorry, Flynn. I know you're about to talk. You, oh, but when Macho Man came into the WWF, he had all these managers that they wanted to hire him. And then yeah. he ends up bringing in the beautiful Miss Elizabeth. I mean, yeah, you that know, was I, a good gimmick. That whole he was uh, elevated right off the bat. The, the one thing I will ask though, and maybe this should be down the road again, but this is my mind is not a one track line. It's multiple trains and they all start kind of <laughs> derailing all the time. Jimmy, are you having a cold one for the uh, working man? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Working man, uh, PhD. Oh, there hell you go. yeah. <laughs> Who booked him? All right, so <laughs> here, do faces need managers? Now, obviously, the heel managers, I think, are needed more because of the role of what the heel does. Mm -hmm. But do faces even need managers? The Road Warriors, Paul Ellering. I mean, yeah. 
But I mean, the but, Road Warriors could technically be qualified as tweeners because, right? I mean, like they could be heels, they could be yeah. babies, just depending on who they faced. But again, you know, like it's it's all in that presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like, I the, do uh, think, like the Dudleys. They yeah. had Stacy Keebler for a while, but they were face. The Dudleys is a weird thing too, because at that point they were faces, but they were putting people through tables still because that was just who they were. But uh, so that was a weird, it's a weird one, I guess. Yeah. Personally, I, I don't like seeing like, too. Yeah. But you know, like when, like when they had the Miz and Ric Flair together and the Miz was a baby face, I didn't like the pairing of a baby face and a manager, unless it was one of those stories where it was building to the manager turning on that baby face and bringing right. in a bigger, batter heel. Right. But it just, right. you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I, I don't even qualify like modern times when Brock was a face and, you know, Paul Heyman was a, was his manager. I don't necessarily count that. Cause I just count him as a tweener because it all depends on who he faces for how you're going to react to him. Right, but I think it's it. I think the babyface should be able to stand on their own, unless they're doing a storyline where like the babyface is on a losing streak and is trying to yes. regain his momentum, get his mojo back, and he's taking the mentorship or taken under the wing of a veteran wrestler sure. who is now managing and showing him the way. Right. You mentioned that it, it, it's interesting because as we record this on the AEW show last night. Uh, Christian Cage just turned heel on the uh, Jurassic Express tag team. Mm-hmm. He came in as the mentor, the old time, you know, kind of guy to, to get those guys over. And last night finally turned on him. I'm assuming it's going to be a kind of a storyline of, uh, you know, I tried with you guys. I'm tired of this nonsense, blah, 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 whatever type of thing. I'm hoping it's it's also the the catalyst to break up Jurassic Express. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Jungle Boy is stamped to be a star. Um, think he needs a little bit more mic work, in my opinion. But you know, and and I don't have a problem with Luchasaurus for the presentation of what he is. But the promo of yeah. needs to. I mean, you need to do something more than just that as a promo. And I think yeah. that it's time to, now that Marco's gone. I think it's time to separate those two. But that's nor here or there. My point is. Like you were just saying, it's just it's funny you brought that up because that just happened. Didn't uh, didn't Bob Backlund do a kind of mentor as a good guy with uh, Darren? With Darren Young, yeah, Darren Young, Darren Young. Mm-hmm. and then it just it yeah. randomly ended. There was no payoff. Yeah, there was to nothing. It. Yeah, we're gonna well, make it, Darren it, Young great again, and then he's fired. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems like WWE's more modern day uh, programming that happens quite a bit, um, except Paul Heyman. You know, he, he either shows up, he's either a got punk with him back in the day, or he's got Brock and that's about it, you know, but you know, Heyman's going to be with one of those guys. But, uh, I, I thought that's what they were going to do with edge in the new faction that they had set up. But now oh, that's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going to happen with that now either. Thank well, we were, either. <laughs> <laughs> we were also still in the eighties guys. So in the manager explosion of the eighties, <laughs> so we've got, you know, in the eighties, obviously some of the greatest managers of all time and arguably the most famous managers of all time. But then the attitude era happened. And I think it was partly called a valet explosion at that point. So then you had Sonny Sable woman, Luna, Terry, you know, Jackie Moore, miss Texas, whatever you want to call her. But then you also had father James, 
James Mitchell, Kevin Sullivan, Eric Bischoff, Ted DiBiase, Vince Russo. And then also, even though he came along in the 80s and we didn't even mention him, but he really was famous in the 90s and beyond that was Paul Heyman, who, you know, as as Dan just mentioned, who's now with Roman Reigns and the bloodline and all that. But Paul E was the guy, you know, he, he really took the elements of Heenan and took the elements of Cornette. You know, th- there's always been a joke that if he and Cornette were in the same room, they would either kill each other or be best friends because they're so alike that they're almost too much alike in a way. Yeah. The, yin and the, yang, the North and the South. The Mason and, 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 yeah. The thing about Paul Lee too is Paulie dangerously was he was supposed to be that new late 80s hip. He had the phone, he had the, sure. the ponytail, the suit, he was making deals, making you know, things like that. That was a cool, that was a cool gimmick. If you really think if especially if you don't know, and you look at Paul Heyman now, and I'm telling you he was the cool, slick Wall Street kind of guy back then, you're gonna mm-hmm. be like, you've lost your mind, but it was, and it worked. It was great. Yeah. But the thing, uh, and you keep mentioning this too, because you talk about him making deals, and then in the past, you talk about the manager making money. Like my guy's got to win, so I make the money. That's right. something that is not focused on at all today, no. and that loses that sense of credibility and believability. Because yeah. I mean, you know, you want to suspend disbelief. Who doesn't want to have the winner's pot of money? The winner gets right. more money yeah. than the loser. Why is that not? A part of it and if your manager like i have agents uh on the acting side of things they get 10 percent of whatever i book so of course they're going to want their guy to win they're going to want their guy to book things right. why is that not a thing now yeah, yeah that's the thing is managers and advocates and the manager's license and all that stuff and it was great because it was like i'm going to come in i can't wrestle but i can manage these guys to make stars to make money that's how i make my money what happened to the 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 winner side of the pay window? You know that whole that whole gimmick. I you're right. I yeah. miss that. I miss that. Well, speaking so. of missing that, how about we listen to a couple commercials? Maybe one of Flynn's or something. You want to do that? Oh, what? Plug oh man! I, <laughs> and then and then we'll talk modern, and then we'll get a top five in Mount Rushmore. And hopefully, we'll get Dyron out of here. So so we're gonna take a quick break. I know you guys hear me. Welcome to the Monster Movie Stomp Down with me, Stompy, and my brother, Frank. Hi, I'm Frank. Join us, Sludge, Mark, and Ruben, three times a month as we review monster movies from around the world. And don't forget about the monthly contest and trivia. Not only that, Frank, but you will find extra content like the underdogs, Monster Mash Wednesdays, and the Friday Night Fights, each week exclusively on our Facebook and Instagram. So, please join us at the Monster Movie Stop Now. Your one-stop chomp for monster movie reviews, news, interview, trivia, laughs, and of course me, Stompy. And Frank. Hey, this is the one-man goldmine, the one-man enterprise of professional wrestling and all entertainment, Flynn Hendricks. And you better believe when I'm looking for a good podcast to listen to, I go to my own. I go to the I Know You Hear Me podcast hosted by me, Flynn Hendricks. That is such a fresh perspective for how you should look at life, too. Like, I just, I love that. And then when I'm feeling spooky, I go to my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, where myself, yeah. I want my head shoved inside a 15-pound silicone mask more. You know, <laughs> I want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night. And just Jeff. Dogs don't like eggs, <laughs> <laughs> 
hate you so much. Talk to other scare actors about what it takes to get into the world of scare acting. So if you're curious about how people became professional wrestlers, actors, prioritized their mental health, became entrepreneurs, avoided burnout, or got into scare acting, you need to go check out I Know You Hear Me and Tales from the Haunt, available on all podcasting platforms. And I know you hear me. All right, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. See, I told you you all could hear me, and you could hear Flynn on that commercial, and now you can hear him here with us saying stuff hey, right now. See, see, there hey, you go. Saying see, stuff. Yeah, just we, stuff. I'm only saying stuff. Perfect. And that's how he makes a living, folks, by saying <laughs> stuff. All right. We talked about 80s managers. I got scolded because I went off off on a tangent, but that's no. that happens. How dare that's you just, time travel? I know. He's going to virtually <laughs> uh, uh, knuckle wrap me here with a, a ruler in a second. You know, you speak of time travel. Today, for some reason, I decided I wanted to figure out how Quantum Leap ended because uh, I couldn't remember. You know, he never goes home. He just keeps he's, sleeping. He's still out there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, Striving to put right what once went wrong and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. I love that. We've got a reboot. I think I, so. Yeah, I've heard that they're going to do a reboot. Yeah. Anyway. They're just going to figure it out. But anyway, so yeah. As long as it's not us, written by WWE writers, we should be fine. Yeah. To bring us back to managers, we've got the 2000s, you know, Vicky Guerrero. Honestly, is one of the the stars of that area as oh, as far as like a valet and a manager. Honestly, in in a, in a lot of cases, she was the lone manager because she was. And I mean, you know, I heard her story recently on a, another podcast. I don't just listen to ours, unfortunately. They she was Why? talking about how you know WWE reached out to her, gave her a job, and kept the Guerrero family fed after Eddie's passing and she took over a manager and she learned on the job. And, uh, you know, I hated Did a her. fantastic job. Yeah. I hated her. I, not as a person, but I hated her character and yep. that was it. That was beauty. That was and getting heat. That's yeah. the thing too, is that she took somebody that should be the most sympathetic person that everybody right. in the crowd should be cheering and supporting and everything because of the situation with her husband passing and yeah. she made herself the most hated person in that building like that is that is a skill that she does not get enough praise for totally vicky was the og karen yeah yes yes <laughs> and she was uh, definitely beautiful. i, I tell yeah. you my oldest son which by the way Tomorrow is his birthday. Happy birthday, bud. Happy birthday. Happy he, birthday. Uh, uh, I still think his favorite, res favorite wrestler is CM Punk. See, the kid knows. Um, but <laughs> uh, when she comes on, he hears her voice. He cries. Still. He's going to be 11 tomorrow, and he still cries if he hears Vicky. Yeah. 
Well, as long yeah. as they don't bring Nyla out, we'll be good. Anyway, I have to so, mute that when it happens, Jim. <laughs> so, to bring that from the two thousands, obviously Paul Heyman with with Brock, the OG Brock, and and these things. You bring it into modern times. You know, Paul Heyman is still probably the goat. Of, of managers, I would say after Bobby Heenan's passing, Paul Heyman took that over. You know, you've got the guys like the MVPs, you've got, you know, females like Lana was with with Miro or or Rusev or whatever. But then you now AEW has taken the stride of kind of doing what 80s WWF did. So Captain Lou, Bobby Heenan, Freddie Blassie, Mr. Fuji, those guys all had things in common, especially the main thing they had in common was they were workers. They were wrestlers. So now they've got Arn, they've got Tully, which I don't know where Arn is technically, but anyway, Arn Tully Tully is. That's a great point. Christian, like you said, you know, several guys that are now managing or doing manager jobs that were former wrestlers. So it, it's a little bit of a throwback. Jared, why don't you talk about some modern managers a little bit? You know, you're, you're talking about, you know, in the WWE. I mean, I was trying to think, honestly, on the fly there. I mean, MVP, I mean, is, is a big one right now. They didn't give that Hurt Business enough time, though. Yeah, anything. I agree. It, was, if it had his good due. potential. I agree. Great name, too. Great, great name. Yeah. It had great potential and great name, like you said. And, and – it's just like they got bored of it or something like it. It's like somebody in the back at WWE gets bored and is like, nope, change your mind. They found yeah. out that Cedric gave me a concussion back in 2013, and then I still carried seven <laughs> through a match. But anyway. I was there. I was there. <laughs> I will vouch 100% for that. I was there. You were working all the guys that would come in. So they, yeah. they would bring dudes from other territories from out of state. And they're like, well, Darren, can you work this morning tonight? Do you mind? That's my Mike Porter. <laughs> well, Mike Porter, have you tried to offer Derek Neal some Jagermeister to come in the booking office? I mean, of course I can. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Anyway, that's a weird insight. That's going to be a story. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. All right. So that's, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I want to get your all-time top four Mount Rushmore managers of all-time indies, um, pro, anything. It doesn't matter. Okay, well, selfishly, cheap plug for all of us, I am going to put Jimmy, whether it's Jimmy as Jimmy Street or Omar, because I guarantee you, if we were on a national level, the chemistry that we had would translate, people would hate us, and our job would be easy. I hate Um, you already. Exactly. But, you know, outside (laughs) of the, uh, you know, the self-adulation, Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart, and then I got one more. See, this is where I go through the Rolodex. Of, I, I know I'm going to leave somebody out, but I've got to say, um, you know, because I, I want to say James J. Dillon. I want to say Baby Doll. I want to say all these people. But right. just in the modern era, for his for his longevity from the 80s till now, I have to put Paul Heyman on that list, too, because if his yeah. guy's not on TV, he's doing that thing from the 80s and keeping them in the front of your mind. He's keeping them relevant. He's got the title on there. He's hyping his guy up for matches that are happening two, three weeks down the road. And he's he's literally being a promoter for his guys. And it yeah. makes it believable. Yeah, yeah. He, he kept that entire storyline going for, what, four or five months? Yeah. We didn't even see Brock. Right, right. And you know. he played and it he perfectly. You know, switching from Brock's advocate to Roman's advocate. Yep. Whose side yep. is he going to pick? And he he played the whole thing perfectly. You're right. Now, let me ask you this question, because you know, Jimmy, if 
Jimmy gets the call today from one of the big TV ones because mm-hmm. everyone knows the TV stuff. So let's say one of the big TVs calls Jimmy says, we want you to come back as Jimmy street and manage blank. Who are you sending him to? If you, if you had the book, they would have to be a heel again, but for the love of God, it just makes sense. It would be FTR. Oh gosh, dude. Oh, oh. Well, those guys can go to Denny's and eat a, my, uh, my eggs over my hammy and I'll watch it. So it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Send him up there. <laughs> oh, they're just very professional. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Oh, I would say it's gotta be with you though, buddy. Come on. I'll so yeah, you know, uh, that's awesome. So I, in, in the idea that we want to make our top four ultimate here, Jared, why don't you give us a top four too? Top four. Heenan's at the top. I mean, uh, no question. Um, Jim Cornette's on there just because of his. I mean, yeah. I remember hating him so bad as a kid. I, I hate mean, you like, too. <laughs> I mean, it was like golly. Yeah. And then um, Miss Elizabeth, for because uh, I'm a uh, young man at one time. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Miss Elizabeth, she was you, just, you had that poster just, on your just, bedroom wall. I saw the lust <laughs> in your eyes. Uh huh. Yeah, the lust in your eyes. Mister Fuji, honestly. Okay. I like it. Dan, what about your four, bud? Uh, Heenan, obviously, uh, just amazing. Um, Jimmy Hart. I think I, I have to go with Jimmy Hart. Love it. Um, can I go Heenan again? No. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to go with one that's going to really throw you off. You, might do. Uh, do you don't have to pick me too, man. Come on. Keep nah, it. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. Um, actually, you know what? I really liked Scott Namore when he was with Team Canada. Oh, okay. uh, good choice. I, I thought that he, the presentation of him being the coach and being a pompous ass and everything else, I thought that that was fantastic, the work that he did there. And then um, Paul Bearer. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, we saw Taker as American badass and things like that without Paul Bearer, obviously. But like, you don't get the dead man. You don't get the Undertaker without Paul Bearer. You don't get it's Kane without Paul Bearer. No, that's a, yeah. And on on top of that, too, if you want to rewind it a little bit, you don't get Rick Rude going Gucci in the late eighties without. Paul Bearer at the time, Percy Pringle, which is so underrated. Didn't he come? Didn't he go off a scaffold in a match? With Jim Pringle? Jim Cornette. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I remember there was a a, I remember there was a scaffold match. I couldn't remember who came off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cornette. So my four, and then we can kind of put our four together here. Heenan, one hundred percent unanimously. Jim Cornette for what he's done. Like you know, Dyron said, Paul Heyman, and then. I've got to vote my guy, Gary Hart. Always going to yes. love Gary Hart. I modeled myself yeah. after Gary Hart, you know, so. You don't that say. Was, well, you know what's funny is my buddy Josephus, the late Josephus, rest in peace. He said, you like you like Gary Hart and, and your name's Jimmy. Why don't you go by Jimmy Hart? <laughs> <laughs> you just look at him and go, like, really? And he was like, oh, wait. <laughs> Junior. Jimmy yeah. Hart Jr. Oh, baby, yeah, could, I don't... Jay. Come on, baby, say my name. I want help. You, you could have been the, the son of Jimmy Hart like uh, Paul White was the son of the Giant. 
Yeah. I mean, that's you were true. conceived in his you were conceived in his beach house at the restaurant on the beach. He served a woman beer in a can and beans and taters. So did somebody say that, beach house? <laughs> oh, come yes. on. So to know that Jimmy Hart conceived a child is almost as realistic as the giant being Andre's son. <laughs> yeah, I can't anyway. I can't imagine I, I'm not even going to imagine the visuals. Can you imagine the audio from that set? Oh, come on, baby. Oh, oh, baby. There it is, baby. Oh, come on, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. All come right. On, Jack. Come on now, baby. So, hey, baby. all right. Overhaul, so we, all right. So we've got Bobby Heenan as the top, probably. Yep. Then we had two votes for Jimmy Hart, right? Maybe. I think we had two votes for Cornette. And then how many votes for Heyman? Enough. That yeah, Heyman would be up there. So, yeah. so, yeah. so it's it's Heenan in the Washington for sure. We got Jimmy Hart, Cornette, Paul Heyman. I think that's a stellar Mount Rushmore that no one can argue with. So, no, can't no. Stop. Well, wrestling fans will argue. That's oh, as they, they do. do, as that's they do, they they have access to Twitter, so they have nothing better to do. And that's that's a good point. And that's what's dangerous about a podcast for wrestling fans because it's like everything you said is wrong. And yeah, it's but subjective. that's all right because it's still our podcast. That's right. Speaking so, of podcasts. Uh, yeah, 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 please. Uh, I, I saw you were going to do a segue. I'm going to shut up and let you do it. I like you. So speaking of podcasts, put yourself over, Flynn. Oh, Get God. Shit in, kid. Um, <laughs> it's the little podcast that could that came on the spur of a whim but no i i've got a weekly podcast called i know you hear me i know you heard dan mention it earlier i yes. drop an episode every friday i talk to fellow voice actors fellow actors professional wrestlers um dan severn of all people is going to be a future guest um I have some other names in the works that I don't want to uh, to spill right now just in case it falls through and I end up with egg on my face. But there's a lot of well-known people that you would know and people that you probably wouldn't know, like a Chris Michaels who trained guys like John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. These guys that are a who's who in the business but never got that contract, you know, to right. be on the big time where they deserve to be. So I, I talked to them about their story and just how you get these roadblocks or how you get released from that dream job. And you still keep going. Like, how do you stay motivated and not just say, I'm done? Like, what do I do now? So it yeah. just gives a chance to see them from a different perspective. And then I also have another podcast about being a scare actor in the haunted house world called Tales from the Haunt, which you probably heard advertisements on here for. So if you yeah. like all things spooky and you're tired of waiting for Halloween, go check that out because it drops every other Thursday. So that's something yeah. for everybody. And then yeah. when I'm not doing that, I'm not sleeping. I'm being a husband, I'm being a dad, I'm being a traveling wrestler again. Damn them for pulling me back in. And then I'm also an actor and a security guard, apparently. So I do high-detail security work. Yay me! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever get called up into Columbus, Ohio, please let me know. I will come out and oh, support. Oh, for sure. Uh, we have, actually, Columbus is kind of a little bit of a, it's, it's getting kind of hot up here with indie work. Uh, we've got kind of hot down here, but not in the indie way. Well, it's <laughs> hot as hell up here today. Uh, we got like three, uh, four, I think four right now, uh, promotions running in the Columbus area. Ooh. As a matter of wow. fact, I'm working on getting a, getting us a guest of one of them pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're kayfabing that still, but yeah, it's coming soon for sure in the next couple yeah. of weeks. And the cool thing is, as well, is 
you know, you're all over social media too. You got a killer presence on there. Tell them about your socials, man. Well, I did have one Instagram, but it got hacked. So we don't talk about that anymore, but I've got my socials. I've got for my personal and professional, I've got podcasting. And instead of just running down the names for everything, you can just keep it and find it all in one place at Linktree slash the Flynn Hendricks. If you want to know about my voice acting and everything, you can check out my website and my character and commercial demos. You can just go subscribe to the podcast. You can go follow all my social media. It's all right there. And truth be told, too, I'm a shill. I've got merch links. So if you want to check out my merch, if you want me to ship you a shirt directly or you want to go to Pro Wrestling Tees, I've got all that right there, too. And then portions of that go to different charities, and I leave it up to you for which one you want it to go to. So that's a that's a win-win. So follow me on social media and get those numbers up so I can get that eventual blue check mark. That's right. Whenever that you, may be. You know what? For playing a heel in the ring, you seem like you're all right. Yeah. I don't want to give too much of a peek behind the curtain, but the heels are the nice guys. You, you mean to tell me that wrestling? <laughs> so true. The characters that I see on TV aren't necessarily the the same person. Well, uh, in my case, it's just me turned up to like twenty. Yeah. Well, that's what I've always heard. Turn yourself up. I can just, I can get away with being with saying things I can't say in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. That's the well, fun part. Yeah. I still try. I just get yelled yeah. at usually. <laughs> Well, if you see, right. the thing is, sometimes it goes over people's heads and you do get away with it. Uh, that's that's yeah. true. Well, I'm not very tall, so it doesn't happen. <laughs> Flynn, thank you so much for being on oh, the show, man. Guys. We're definitely going to have to have you back on another time. Uh, sure. Everyone, please go check out, I know you hear me, Tales from the Haunt. Get on his socials. Book him to do a commercial. Put him in your TV sh- uh, series. Let him uh, let him look at the the ceiling lights for three seconds uh, somewhere local. Uh, buy his T-shirts. Buy his crap. Do, do, or if you, you just know. want to bring me to a convention and have somebody give me a Stone Cold Stunner, I've done that too. So feel yeah. free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? If you want him to come to a convention, he can still make a few bucks and not throw himself at the ground for twenty minutes. There you but go. But sometimes those convention hall floors are. You know, a little bit softer than a wrestling ring, but I didn't yeah. say that. That's what I've heard too. <laughs> well, you you know the apron's the hardest part. Oh <laughs> God! Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. And thank you guys so much for giving me a chance to come on here. I am open to whenever you guys want to call me back, provided I survive the next nineteen hours. But yeah, we'll, we won't talk about that right now. But I will gladly come back anytime. I'm just grateful for the opportunity. And of course, thank you guys for you know advertising on my show and welcoming me to the network and the brotherhood, man. I, I can't say thank you enough. Ditto, buddy. Ditto. Yeah. I knew I knew I could hear him the whole time. <laughs> Finally, yeah. somebody admits it. Yeah, yeah that's right. All I right, do. everyone. Thanks. Flint. Thank you as well, man. We're gonna let him go about his business because I guess he's gotta go do a, a real job now for oh. a little bit. Oh, Sorry. boy. Observe and protect. I mean, what? Yeah, that's all right. I have to go work on air conditioners in the heat. So, Ooh, all right. Boy. When we God when we get you. back, yeah, it sucks. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about managers and managers in a plastic form as we bring the chic on the show. Stick oh, around. Chic it, baby. <laughs> if you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson. 
to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Kreitz. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, Hear me. kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. Are you a pro wrestling fan? Well, stop by Captain's Corner where you can get autographed photos, cards, magazines, and figures from all of your favorite wrestling superstars of the past, present, and future. You'll also be able to participate in live signings in the weeks and months to come. Make sure to stop by Captain's Corner on Facebook and give us a holler. Remember, cheers to the working man. All right, everyone. Welcome back. That was a blast having him on the show. You know, Jimmy, when we first started this, it was just me and you, and we didn't really know each other, but we both talked about favorite wrestlers and we're like, okay, we can get along. This will be great. And then we have some guests pop on here. He was awesome, but there's been one guest, one guest that has stuck around. I don't want to say like a fungus on your foot or anything. Anyway, the guest that's always here, the guest that's the best, the plastic chic himself, Jared Street. Jared, I know you've been up, guys? here on the whole show, and we've heard you jump in and out, but now you get to be the, the plastic chic. <laughs> hey, I'm here. I'm here. There you go. Please regale us with some tales about plastic managers. Well, I mean, when you when you think about um, you know, the wrestling figure manager-wise, you got to think back to the early series. I mean, LJN for WWF, they were well known for putting the managers out there. They, they had their own, I was trying to count them to make sure I, I got them all, but you know, there's Captain Lou, there's Bobby, the brain, Heenan, Mr. Fuji, classy, Freddie Blassie, Jimmy Hart, Miss Elizabeth, slick, uh, Johnny Valiant. Um, Oh yeah. And I'm trying to think if that's all. I'm, I feel like I'm missing it. Did I say, I said Captain Lou. Um, but you know, they all, they, I, I'm trying to think, I, I always want to include mean gene kind of as a manager. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now did, did Rimco make a Paul Ellering for the warriors? They did. Sure. They did. did. And there was one other Rimco manager, Jimmy, can you come up with that one for me? Chic add on. Well, I guess you could say chic add on, but was he, I think he was, he was sold as a he was, he was a, a hybrid kind of yeah. guy. Yeah. How about uh, the guy that was in charge of the Freebirds? Buddy Rogers? No. Buddy Rogers. 
thank you. Thank you. Your oh, your, oh, your oh, oh, brother. Precious. Precious. Yeah, precious. There you go. Pre- right. Jimmy precious Garvin. With, yeah. Jimmy Garvin. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. She looked a lot like She-Ra or something like that. I yeah, she like definitely her. had. Not she not She-Ra, but uh, was it She-Ra or the other one? I'm Tila or whatever, but Tila, I think it was yeah. She-Ra. I think you're right, She-Ra. She had a she had a very uh, like you know the AWA Remco from Remco. And that's all we'll say about AWA Remco. Just kidding. But we got some cool things happening about that. Yes, person. yes, we but, do. But the funny thing is, is they took her, uh, it was like a random baby doll-ish type looking head, not the manager baby doll, but the, it was just a, it wasn't very formed to, to look like precious, but at the same time, the, the wrestlers were kind of close as close as they could be, but you know, she did not look like precious at all. You know? Yeah. I mean, back then they actually sculpted the figure. So it's like, they were like, eh, just put Barbie's head on it. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they did like uh was Barbie's little sister Stacy or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Head or yeah. something like that. I mean Yeah. So those are the only Paul Ellering and Precious are the only two that I can that are like for sure managers in the Remco set that I can remember. Okay. Um, and then you have all the LJN. I said they, they put some work in for the managers. Um then you have, you know, going down the line, they have Hasbro actually went no managers. Hasbro had no managers. Uh, right. The WCW Galoob sets had um, no managers that I can, unless I'm just blanking here, I can't remember any managers with them. No. Um, then you get into the the Just Toys Bendems. There's a there's at least a Paul Bearer of those. Yeah. Because okay. I have because I have that. I should have I should have had that to show you guys right here, but uh, you all can't see an audio land, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's all. Oh, look at that. It's not bad. That's that's pretty good uh, likeness, actually. Dude, that's mint. <laughs> look at that. That's minty. Mint. And, and, you know, they've done they've done plenty more over the years. Um, you know, they've done uh, a couple versions of Elizabeth in the Mattel line. Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth. Heenan at least has one or two in the Mattel Heenan line. has two the, that I know of for sure because he has the, right. the rabbit. The weasel suit. The weasel suit. The weasel suit. The weasel suit, rather. The uh, weasel suit. And he had a package deal that we got uh my little birthday boy buddy uh, a couple years ago the heenan family package oh and he had the white suit on with the gold trim i believe like the tux yeah the tux and there was uh andre perfect arn and tully i believe nice okay yeah i believe that was the yeah he has an arn and tully yeah so the brain busters at that point very cool. Yeah. What about the Jim Cornette Jack specific though? The one was it Jacks or when they made the Bone Crunchers era? Yeah, Jacks. It was Jacks. Um, it's a good figure. I, I would love to see. And does he have his own figure out now? That's what I was. He trying does. To he has his own. Like it's. Yeah. it's uh, there, there's so many people that are either indie or um, non-affiliated type of uh, wrestlers and managers and stuff that are getting figures now by secondary. Right. Um, uh, manufacturers and markets. I mean, obviously the major figure, uh, podcast guys, they have a, a pretty big run now of stuff that's going to oh, be, yeah. that they've been working on for a while. Um, it's all awesome. toys and zombie sailor and those guys, they're yeah, making a lot yeah. of that stuff, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's an exciting thing about, I mean, AEW has kind of teased Jazzwares has kind of teased, um, you know, some possibility of some of the managers or, Something like oh, yeah. that, because I know a lot of their managerial type guys 
don't know if they could make the figures to when they were actually wrestlers. So they would probably have to make them. As. They would have to. Well, well, I know that there's one AEW manager, current AEW manager that has a figure out right now. And that's smart. Mark Sterling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. Cause he's got his stuff through the major wrestling pod. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which I love that he's uh, man. I we should have brought him up. Great job of what he's supposed to do. There, killer manager, killer manager. Yeah, and you know who else has been a killer manager in their product lately is a guy from American Top Team, Dan Lambert. Yeah, Dan Lambert. Oh my god, he's been. I mean, he's the most average looking dude, but he is so smart. He's on a level of like a Heyman almost. You know what I'm saying? As far as he's really good. And he's got that you want to knock him out when he's talking. Totally. Like you want to yeah. like you like if I can I could see uh Jimmy, I could see our Uncle Eddie just wanting to like punch him through the TV. Kick him in the head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Manager wise, who do you want to see coming out like that hasn't come out? Are, like the current guys? Or are you just talking about them no, all? No, no, no. We're talking about like all time. Like uh, is there a um you know, uh, maybe a new Fuji or uh, um, yeah, I, I would love to see a Fuji. I know there has been Fujis. I, I yeah. just can't remember. Um, I know the, the besides the LJM Fuji, um, you know, for my brother, I'll have to say Gary Hart. Yeah, I hope Powertown. Yeah, I would hope Powertown. Yeah, Powertown, um, you know, Powertown really excites me about some of the possibilities they could do with managers. I know um, we should yeah. really talk about Powertown sometime. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, be a good idea. Maybe we'll drop that hint. But what about, has there ever been a J.J. Dillon figure before? There's a Build-A-Figure. I, I'll, I'll is there really? We'll have to post this in there. There's a Build-A-Figure. They had a WCW set um, of, like, I guess they, were, they weren't elites, but they weren't really, like, they weren't, like, total basic. But there was yeah. a Luger, a Booker T, a Sting. Sting with the longer hair, but a surfer, surfer Sting. And there was a Ric Flair in a suit. Well, okay. There's a JJ Dillon that was the build a figure out of all that. Okay, that's pretty very cool. cool. Yeah, that's the only, but that's the only JJ I know of. I don't think there was a JJ Dillon in the Horseman set because I think it was just the four guys. No, and um, that, and it was Wyndham, Tully, Arn, and Rick, and that, and, and that set. So, yeah, um, you know, managers if they're done right are, the, are, you know, you need them if you're going to have your action. Your wrestling figure fed you need that uh oh yeah that manager out there on the sidelines totally Absolutely. i would love to see a jack's smart mark of that style too i have they made one of smart mark like the jack specific or tell no, I, surely a as big as i mean he's as much work as he's doing in aw you would think that they they might if he if they're doing managers they would probably put one out of him i mean you would think He's the yeah. most active manager kind of currently. Some of those other guys, the coaches, maybe Dan can talk more to it, but some of them appear to have fallen off the map a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Tully's, I haven't seen Tully in a long time. Um, Storyline, he was fired. Right. I don't know what reality is. Arn, I haven't seen, especially now that Cody's gone. Um, have not seen Jake yeah. super Jake, recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, 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 Pray that Miro stays by himself. Please, 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 please don't bring her back. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it seems like the managers, 
Well, on that, Lambert, Vicky Guerrero. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's about it. I mean, Cutler's kind of like the Bucks valet, you know, sort of right now. He, so he's their brother, Brutal. Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's got to show up. Yeah, yeah. What about that Stokely guy though that just came in from? Oh NXT? yeah, w- w- with uh, Jade. Yep. Yeah. My God, how killer is she? If they do the right thing and keep her, she'll be their Charlotte Flair. In she's my only opinion. and she's only been working for what three years. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she's just—I <laughs> just see her come on the screen, and I just—I don't look away. She's got everything, and it's cool that they put that Stokely guy with her. I hated that they took Smart Mark away from her, but it seemed like they've both elevated Stokely. I, I'm sorry, Hathaway or something, Stokely. Yeah, that's anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, that guy has elevated with her because she's just going to go either way. And then Smart Mark has gotten into this deal with Wardlow and stuff. So I, I, I dig it, man. And, you know, like I said, AEW, we put them over a lot, but I will put them over mainly for the fact that they do bring those elements of the old school in to the new school. And that's I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm always going to like that. But, you know, Paul Heyman, MVP, there are elements there, but. Well, you know. in fairness, who knows what's going to happen with WWE in the next few months? <laughs> yeah, that for sure. You know, it may be old news at the time when we drop this show, but man, that just is an onion that is peeling itself, huh? It's very possible that someone may be fired. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, just think, though, it was his greed that is going to be maybe his demise because he took that company public and that created a board. And, you right. know, back, back in the day it was him and Pat and somebody else and they could Around sweep the things pool. under the yeah. rug. Yeah. yeah. But now there's a board of supervisor or board of, uh, you know, a board, board of supervisors. That's directors. Not it. Yeah. Board of directors. <laughs> Thank sure. you. And they, you know, now that because he went public with it to make it a stock options and all these things. And it's almost like his greed is going to be his demise because now they have to take him. And then now this whole deal with Kevin Dunn, have you seen that Ugh. where they're considering that insider training because everybody knew about it on the board in April. And then last month, Kevin Dunn sells a bunch of stock knowing that when this news drops in the wall street journal, that it's going to drop the stock. And so he sells like a million dollars worth of stock last month. And now they're like, is this insider trading? I mean, (laughs) I don't know, but we got to remember he already beat the government once. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, So. you know, who knows, but (laughs) if he has has that lawyer, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't have smart marks. So, I mean, he doesn't have the best professional wrestling lawyer uh, <laughs> of all time. So, and well, you know. You know what, Jimmy, how would you like to do the wrap up? I can and I will. Figure salt separately. Guys, thank you all for that show. Manager is near and dear to my heart. I brought that to y'all. Thank you so much for 
you know, appeasing me on a, a good idea here and there. So thank you for that. Obviously, I brought my buddy Dyron Flynn Hendricks on to talk because I was his manager and he put me over much more than he needed to. But, you know, the biggest thing I always like to say is, you know, we're part of a network on that network. There's movies. Give me back my action. Give me back my horror. Give me back my monster movie stomp down. Give me back my good beer, bad movie night. Give me back my tales from the haunt. And of course, Dyron's main show. I know you hear me. You know, it's a great show. I was on actually episode seven of his show. And, you know, I think that's the number you can find my name somewhere, Jimmy street in his list of episodes, but definitely go support Dyron, you know, go to the network Facebook page. You'll find all links to all the shows and all that good stuff, but definitely go find Dyron on. I know you hear me. He's all over social media. He's very entertaining. Like I said, he put his link tree at the Flynn Hendricks. You can find him there. So thank you for that. Also Gene and the cheap TV podcast network. I don't know. Did y'all watch that yet? It's the outlaw wrestling federation. It's the best idea. I'm so mad I didn't think of it because we would be great at this. Basically, what he has done is he has found old like 80s and 90s footage of outlaw wrestling shows from everywhere. And he is renaming the guys in the video. And he's got this alter ego, Whitey Jenkins. And he basically calls these matches. It was hilarious. And it was just two random guys working on a independent show sometime in the eighties or nineties that he's found on videotape. And it's just hilarious. So definitely go to the cheap eat TV podcast network. Anyway, long story short, support all those shows, support all those podcasts, support all those networks works and all that good stuff you know really we appreciate you all we were a man down last episode thank you all for keeping us we you know keeping our numbers high we really appreciate that we didn't skip a beat you know we got the plastic chic as our buddy rogers here so it's always appreciated to be able to continue a show even when we're a man down so actually i really enjoyed last week's episode because i didn't have to listen to myself Yeah, everyone, thanks for for tuning in. Before we go, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. He is listened to every episode. He's always active and tells me about it, and and it's really appreciated. Charlie Sword, he went to the same high school that the, the Sheik and I did. And Charlie, you know, he listens to the podcast. He actually sat down, watched Body Slam and listen to the episode at the, he did the watch along and everything. And he said, horrible movie, but great podcast. So Charlie, dude, thank you, man. Thank you, Charlie, for listening for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sheik, you want to, you want to do any shout outs here at the end of the, uh, the episode? I just thank you guys for having me on and glad to be recovering from COVID currently. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better, bud. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When I had COVID a few months ago, dude, I it was it was really nasty, and I'm fully shot and everything, but it was nasty still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, we're the booster bunch for sure, but at the same time, yeah. you know, I I don't want to say anything because I've as soon as I'll say it, my luck will run out. But I've been lucky so far. Yeah, no, so. no you're good. You're good. So for the professor, for the plastic chic, thanks again, Flynn. I know we heard him the whole time. It was just that because he had his mic on. All right, Jimmy, uh, you have a sign off line. Hey man, all I say is fight forever with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life.
This has been a James Rock Street production.